With so much on your mind right now, the safety of your family and business should not be one of them. Safe and Secure Worldwide Protection Group's goal is to keep you and the things you love safe. From patrolling your small business and neighborhood to guarding large construction sites and shopping centers, we are here to protect you. That's why we were selected as security for the last three presidential elections. Safe and Secure Worldwide Protection Group. We worry about your security, so you don't have to. Let us rise up tonight with a greater readiness. Let us stand with a greater determination in these powerful days, these days of challenge, to make America what it ought to be. For African peoples, nothing important happens without a libation. And so for this very important presentation, we begin by the pouring of libation. We pour libation first to our first ancestor, to that hidden one who, though hidden, manifests in all things as all things, that God-Goddess idea in the universe by any and all names. To our first ancestor, we pour libation. I shake. We pour libation too to our ancestors because they were the first people on this planet, mothers and fathers of all mankind, flashpoint of the human family. To those ancestors we pour libation, our shapes. Pour libation too to our ancestors because they were the ones who first gave birth to the idea of civilization, knew we would need a form of governance, and they nurtured that idea along the Nile until it reached its zenith in Kemet. There they built these gigantic monuments as evidence of that great civilization. And they carved instructions on the walls of temples and tombs for us so we would never forget. To those ancestors, we pour libation. I say, pour libation too to our ancestors because over time they put together all the tenets of civilization and they took those ideas and left the continent. They were the people of the first exodus. They left Africa and went all over the world and peopled the world. To those ancestors, we pour libation. I say, we pour libation too to our ancestors because they did not sit on their laurels. They continued to improve, continued to evolve. And at each point of evolution, they again would leave the continent. Leave the continent and settle and resettle the planet. They met themselves coming and going. To those ancestors, we pour libation. I shape. Pour libation too to those ancestors because over time, they found themselves the object of a forced exodus. When they were kidnapped, shackled, cargoed, shipped out of Africa and enslaved in diasporas around the world. To those ancestors, we pour libation, our shame. Pour libation too to the ancestors left at home, the very young, the aged, the infirm, left to reinvent themselves, depleted of us, human resources. But they were enjoined by us in the diasporas, both objects of a global myopia that ruptured the soul of a people as it ravaged a continent. To those ancestors, we pour libation. I shave. Pour libation too to those ancestors because over time they began to remember who and what they were. Because no matter where they had been dropped off, they still retained bits and pieces of who and what they were. They retained that African core that described them. They began to remember bits and pieces of a song. They began to remember lines from a rhythm. They began to remember dances that they did in ancient times. 
they began to remember those ancient drum beats that they now beat out on bare skin. And so to those ancestors, we pour libation. I shame. Pour libation too to them because they then began to teach each other. They began to resurrect and reconstruct that history and that culture. They became the new Africans wherever they were. They became the new teachers, preachers, archaeologists, the new singers, dancers, the new drummers, the new Jaliya. They reconstructed that history and our culture and became new Africans everywhere. So to those ancestors, we pour libation. I shame. Pour libation to, to those ancestors because they are the ones who pass that information on to us. And so we pour libation to those of you who will watch this presentation. Those of you who are the recipients of that pieced together history, of that reconstructed culture. To you, we pour libation. I shame. Pour libation too to our children and those yet to be born. For they are the ones that you must teach. And you can only teach if you know the history. So to you who are learning the history and are passing on that history, and to our children who are learning that history and will pass that history on to all eternity, but they will call your name in all eternity. To our children we pour libation. Ashe. Ashe. Asheo. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. Just let it be. Na 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 na. The world won't get no 
Think Tank, which operates on the timeforawakening.com video platform. Reach out to them at melodinlive at yahoo.com. All of our programs are archived. Just go to www.timeforawakening.com, access the search portal, type in the name of the program you desire to review. And good evening and welcome to another edition of Melman Live. Tonight we want to talk in general terms about black life in America. And as I thought on this earlier today, I had a lot of questions that I thought all of us probably need to examine and look at. Um, this is 2021. It is said that in about 21 years or thereabout, whites will be the minority in the United States, uh, which means that we will probably be the majority. Uh, I often said that President Trump has um, really believed that he was fighting for the soul of a country that his father built, that his fathers built, that their people built, which is why he fought so vehemently to bring back those old days, the good old days, uh, which are forever gone. 
But we have to ask ourselves some questions uh, about readiness. Are we ready for leadership? Not, not talking about the one uh, messianic leader that, that Martin Luther King or, and Elijah Muhammad or Selassie, any of the any of the great greats. I'm talking about now in 2021. What type of leadership is needed? Uh, are we ready? Are we as a people more vulnerable to terrorism than other Americans? Where are all of our leaders today? Well, these are, these are subjects we need to talk about. And we talked earlier about a national discussion that really needs to happen because of the position that we're in in this country. We just handed over the presidency of the United States to Joe Biden because of our vote. Our vote behind the Democratic Party gave them the edge over the Republican Party and other parties. Thus, the Democrats won it again. What are we getting for that? What are we getting for our vote? Did we negotiate that? Were there terms and agreements made that if we vote for you, we're going to get uh, uh, you know, more banks, more land? Half our banks are shutting down. Black-owned banks. We have mechanics and farmers and some others now, but by and large, our community is in trouble. I just want you to think about that. Now, as we move on in the discussion, I would love you all to chime in, please. Uh, send a message out. We need to have this discussion, particularly the men. We need to have a sit down. I said to some over on the continent and here in the United States, we need a, we need to have a United Nations type summit. And as black men to sit down and chart a course for the future. So we can ask, so we can answer some of these questions because we're in trouble. The way we're currently functioning doesn't make sense. Can we be a competitive group of people without expressing any group group interest. That is, if you want our vote, here's what we have to have from you. Support in this area, that area, and place some demands on the system. Heretofore, we've not done that. And if we're to take over rulership in a country where we were once the slaves, are we ready for that? What will be our actions toward Africa as black men and women? I had a discussion today with someone who was African, I don't know, nationalist, traditionalist, uh, and who, whose position was that their, their God, their creator, uh, endowed them or blessed them to be more prepared more just uh, or, 
or if you will, his prize group in terms of their connection to the God, to the creator. And it was that, and we're talking about African uh, traditionalists. And, you know, when I look at Africa today, you know, it's been usurped, certainly the, the, uh, the colonialists, the colonizers didn't spare not one inch of the country. So much is going on today that we really need to have a discussion. And I would ask many of you to, if you're on, to chime in at some point and just jump right in. And the lines are open. Just give us a call and share the number with others at 219-490-9832. Please share. And um, let's get right into it. So are you, we, ready to take over in the land where we once held a slave? Do you love enough? What training do you have that would make our leadership different, better, more inclusive to our own people? What systems should be in place? In place? Where do you start? These are things you have to think about. I would suggest we start first of all in the school systems. Hmm? And maybe there needs to be a division, uh, separate our children from other children. I think that's needed. It must be. And then what do you teach them? What do you separate them? What do, what do we teach them? Now you say, well, we should seek them STEM. And I, I get it. But what do we teach them about the knowledge of themselves, knowledge of ourselves, the knowledge of our history? How do we teach them to love each other and do business? Because out of that love will come the ability to do business, to spend time, um, to worship and respect the worship of others regardless of what it is. Because we can't be divided along the religious lines as a people. We can't afford to be divided along uh, religious lines. They want us to really take a look at this tonight. We see Kamala Harris. I was blessed to be there yesterday. Uh, thank uh, President Biden, Kamala Harris. Uh, I also thank uh, Congresswoman Alma Adams. And, uh, my previous discussions with the great Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Uh, and others. Wonderful occasion. My first time, the wonderful occasion gave us a glimpse as to the possibilities. Yeah. Do you believe you can lead? And will you qualify yourself to be prepared in the next 21 years to do so? If whites will be the minority in this country, Somebody else is going to lead. Their their fear of a new black messiah or black leader becoming president. Obama certainly was the first. But there shall be a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth. They saw this coming. The, The demographers saw this. And they went to work. 
So after our dear brother, President Barack Obama won the two elections, of both of which we worked the security, praise the Lord, and the ancestors. Donald Trump was the answer to a system that would vote a black man in as president of the United States for the first time in its history. But Obama was the trigger that was pulled and the shot that was fired back with Donald Trump. Whether you call him a racist, crazy man, whatever, whatever you want to call him. The reality is he existed and he rolled back everything that we thought we had made, all the all the progress. I respect the man. I said to someone in a meeting, I said, you know, I thank God for Donald Trump. Because he's going to force, force black folks to get off their behinds and do for themselves what they've been begging others to do for them. For us. Steve. Very important. Why must there be a Donald Trump for us to get up and move? And you saw the great outcry a week or so ago, a week and a half ago, when they treated this man like he was, I mean, he was their, he was their answer to the America that they want to go back to. So much so that they would run up into the United States Capitol where the laws are made, where things are negotiated. I was in the building this, this couple, just last couple of days. I walked through the building. I looked at the statues. I looked at the sayings and the writings. Deeply rooted in the history of this nation. We need to think about this. How do we rewrite the history now? With black leadership in America. What do we do about black terrorism? And so some of these things I'm talking about are things that are really at the fore and really should be considered as we move beyond 2021 and black leadership. We should be preparing. So I want to go into some of this and ask some questions and uh, get some responses. And if you're out there, please call in now and just tune in and we'll open up the lines within the next hour. But definitely share the line at uh, share this call in number 219-490-9832. As we deal with this subject, is Black America ready for leadership in the new America? Uh, Brother Lance, that's that 215 I'm sorry. 215. 215-490-9832. So we have much to talk about, much to think about and some self-reflecting. Because I, too, have to look in the mirror and say, Brother Lance, what have you done? How are you prepared? Those of us business owners who 
I'm blessed to have a militia. I'm blessed to have men and women under my control. That I say, you wear this uniform, you carry this gun, you do this and that. Certainly, that's a measure of leadership. But beyond that, you ready to run a city? How about the infrastructure, the water system, the trash, the waste? Are we ready? So I would say that the biggest room in all of our lives is the room of improvement. And so we have some improving to do, particularly when it comes to inclusion of ourselves with ourselves. That is, including other, other Blacks, stimulus programs, uh, education. What do you do about it? Are we going to, there was some discussion yesterday about whether or not they want to uh, uh, delay payments, repayments for higher education, or just totally abolish it, and wipe it away. A lot of subjects. President Biden was a bit uh, was a bit torn about running for president because it's it's grueling. Twenty four seven. Yeah. The decisions you make at that level, at the city level, and I commend all the city council people here in Greensboro and others, around the country, state officials, federal officials that are black, that are serving. And I, and I saw, uh, I saw the, the treatment of you. I see how they treat you. And it's no different from anyone else. If you're black, you're just a black that happened to be in Congress. That's all. How did this happen? More importantly, how do we fix it? Where are our blacks in leadership? Who's the black leaders today? You know, if we had, uh, I sometimes wish, uh, prayed on, I said, boy, if we had a Malcolm today and a Martin, wow, and a, some of the great greats of that era uh, that we could stand on their shoulders and seek, seek counsel with today. Uh, or, or is Martin and Malcolm crying when they graves? And look at our people. What are they doing? Is the fight too great for them? What is racism? And can black, black people be racist? Man, a lot of questions, man. Few answers. What is racism? The, the systematic uh, deprivation or depriving of one race over another for goods and services, education. What is racism? Can we be racist? Are we racist toward each other? Those of us who've been matriculated, who who have matriculated in the institutions of higher learning, who really, and, and, there's a, and we had this discussion earlier, I mean, 
I get it. When you go to Harvard and Yale and I'm not saying not go there, go. But don't forget, please, before you go, they get rooted in who you are. And I get it. I was a young man back when, I don't know, about 15 or 16. I, I had to start going to job interviews, 17, 18, somewhere in that area. And I, I had a plaid jacket, blue plaid jacket. I used to wear that plaid jacket out to interviews. There's, there's, there's something innate in us. There's something in us that makes us, when we need to get that job, when we want to be, when we want to fit into the dominant so-called culture, that we want to articulate like these other, other cultures. We want to talk like the white man. We want to dress like them. We want to be around them. We want to be accepted. Trying to escape, escape your oppression. But it never happens. Trying to be like the oppressor in hopes of escaping the oppression. And I'm here to tell you, it does not work. One of our brothers said, you are black. You must remember this. You are black. You are black. You are black. You will never be white. So forget it. Self first and others. Okay, that was our dear brother. Uh, uh, and he'll come to me in a moment. But this is, this is very serious. And while we're talking about education, Think about how we're being educated. They're pouring out themselves into us through the literature, through the cultures at schools, pouring themselves into us. Not that education is bad. Knowledge is, is good. Knowledge and wisdom is excellent. We need it. We must have it. But when there's a slant to the benefit of another culture, when the systems are built and the education that you're receiving is to help them build their, continue to build their world, worldview and their systems, their culture. That's the problem. So we got a bunch of PhD Negroes out here. Master degree Negroes. Hmm? You spend all that money, then go ask for a job. Think about this. And we're going to deal with each one of those questions that I pose. I know I'm jumping, but there's a lot I'd like to cover. we got a little time. I want you to think about this. You spent all that money in all those years getting a PhD, master's degree, all that debt to help someone else build their world. Oh, Lord, you're talking about technology. We've been had, not until we've been hoodwinked, bamboos. Malcolm also said you, 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 you give the Democratic Party 80%, 90% of your vote. And because of you, you bring in the Democratic Party as the winning party. And you ask for nothing for your vote. What do we get? What do we get this year? This is 2021. I want you to think, what is it that they gave us that they promised 
they would give the black race, African Americans in America as a result of our vote and getting the what did they what did they promise and what did they get? Anything. I want you to think. I'm asking the question, but I need you all to think about this. Because at the end of the show, we need to talk about what is it that you're going to do? What is it that you're going to do differently? What is it that you're going to do differently that we could we could say as a people, because of our vote, our 80%, 90% given to the Democratic Party that we got to, what are we going to do differently? Particularly now since in 21 years, whites will be the minority. We got to rethink this thing as we prepare the changing of the guards. So, can we think black? Can we think of systems? Can we think of systems that can be put in place in this dispensation of time that would be an aid to the blacks, African Americans in this country? If you're going to run into uh, uh, opposition, the systems is you know, they're built up already against you. Now we can't even do anything about this COVID thing, and we've heard our brother tell us that they made this COVID disease. It's not unusual. We had them all for a long time. It's not the first time. And somehow, particularly we as men, are impotent. We're not addressing these issues. I mean, in a major way, I'm not talking about, you know, sort of like you go to a meeting and the guy, there's a white man in there and he wants to talk about him, so he rubs his skin, you know, hey, you know, talk about him. Scared to say, you know, the Caucasian man or whatever it is. Brother Lance, your guest may be on. How do we change some of these fears that you and I have? Not that I have them. We really have to deal with this as we go into 2021 and beyond. Brother Lance, your guest may be on now. So ask the question, are black people more vulnerable to terrorism than any of America? Why do I say yes? Simply because we don't have a means of protecting ourselves. Brother, so Lance, your guest, Brother Lance, your guest may be on. Good evening. Thank you for being with us. And so we have to, you know, we have to ask some of these questions, these critical questions that we have to have a conversation with ourselves and each other about where do we go from where we are. And so, are we vulnerable? And if so, what do we do as the men of our race, as a collective? Our women and children are being raped and they have this thing now called, uh, called, uh, where they're taking our sisters off the streets. Uh, you all know what I'm talking about. They're taking the sisters off the streets and just kidnapping them and taking them into other countries and using them as slaves and, and, uh, sex toys and, and we're impotent. We're impotent. We fail. And we have to be very careful because we're failing to stand up 
in an hour when we need to stand up, black man. What good is it for us to be here if we're not protecting our women and children? Certainly you protect your wife, your daughter. If someone harmed them, you go all you're ready to handle the business. But how about as a collective, what do we do? What must we do? I asked the question earlier. Are there any black leaders today? Who's the Martin of this day? Who's the Malcolm of this day? Or is that day of, or the day of leadership over? All of us must become leaders. I'm asking. Just posing some questions. I asked the question, can we be uh, a competitive as a group without initiating or making known our self-interest, those things that we want, demands from the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, Independent Party, whatever it is. And it goes beyond political sophistication. I'm talking simply about these are these are basics. You want our vote? This is what we, this is what the Jews do, the Chinese do, everybody does this. It's normal. Except us. So who will who will initiate these kind of conversations among us instead of these feel-good type things. Hmm? With time now, we're in a critical stage. I was at the, as I mentioned, I was at the inauguration yesterday. Very interesting conversation, Congress folks, different folks. It's a, it's a different vibe there. It's a different feeling. But we're not present there. With all that's going on, although we put the president in there, President Biden in the seat, it was your vote, Georgia, around the country, the black man and woman, it was your vote that put Biden in there. What did you get? What did you ask for? What did we ask for as a collective? Anything? Therefore, you get nothing. When do we go from begging? When will we stop being beggars and take our rightful place on the world stage as the original people of this planet? God has shown his light on us. We damper the light. That like no God or messenger has ever come to. I'm talking to you, black man. It's on me, it's on you, it's on us as a collective. The women sitting back waiting to exhale. And we pontificating, trying to sound smart. And I did my doctorate, my dissertation. So what? Half an hour, Peter, and Mr. Dudley didn't get a doctor. He only went to the fourth grade, did 35 million. So your doctrine is not what's important. It's the spirit, your desire to want to change your environment, the desire to want to lift up your people. He told me, and I carry the same practice in my business. He said, look, you have to, you have to have more patience with your people who don't know them and teach them and be willing to guide them 
to make them and make them really want to improve themselves. You have to pour your belief into them, like the white man poured his system into us, which has immobilized us to do for self. You're begging. Please, can I? Can I? The man is putting diseases out here. This ain't the first time. Eugenics in North Carolina. Uh, hell, I can go down the line. No great revolt against the system. It's killing us. Excuse me. Where do we go from where we are? Man, a great man, one of our dear brothers. He said, don't add loss to loss. He gave an example. He's in its factory one day. Uh, some employees tipped over a huge vat that had over $100,000 worth of solution in it. And uh, when he arrived, they were all standing around nervous and the manager. And he said, well, why are they standing there? Get them back to work. He said, well, they were waiting for you. Waiting for me? What? For what? Don't add loss to loss. You already spilled over $100,000 and you're standing around? Don't add loss to loss. And so I've adopted, I've adopted that, uh, that kind of, uh, that mindset. That's why I'm talking here tonight to you, to me. I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to myself. Because there has to be a change. As I said on that podium up there last yesterday with the president and the vice president, and Obama came in. And, uh, you know, it's just normally you have thousands of them, but it was a fortress. I'm going to put the pictures up tonight. The fortress, military all over the place. You couldn't get in there. Fenced the White House, the Capitol, all fenced in. Military, police, secret service. You name tanks. I got the video. You got the pictures of my conversation with some of my great greats. Life change. But I also have a responsibility to go to the top of the mountain and yell out, and this is the mountain. One of them for me. I'm telling you that we're in trouble. And as a collective, we got to get out as we better say, our SH, you know what I'm talking about. Get it together. And they ain't gonna be you talking like the brother talking about, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a this religion. I'm, I'm bad. Nobody care about that. Yeah, that's not what's stopping us. Certainly some of us are silly enough. Well, I'm a Muslim and I'm a Christian. And I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a this and I'm a five percent of whatever. You're a black man first. And until unless we put those superficial things down, those things that don't matter, we'll always be beggars, as our dear brother, Grandmaster Teacher Martin uh, John Henry Clark said, beggars at the table of, uh, for crumbs from the table of thieves. Always be beggars. We shouldn't be that way, brothers and sisters. We have a great work to do. This is our hour. This is our day. You gave them the, the doggone elect, uh, the, the, the country. We, they told me myself, they told me, we sitting there, I'm in Washington, the says, look, thank y'all. 
saying thank you for what? Because you all voted and gave us the election. So I immediately said, what, what, what the hell did we get for? Huh? In a land of plenty. Why are we so broke, man? Our banks, this is amazing. It's amazing, the technology. Even you all, with this, I don't have nothing about your degrees. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I got a doctorate and yeah, I know. You need a doctor. We need a doctor. So let's answer some of these questions. I'm going to ask a couple of questions. I, I need some input. And, you know, just your spirit. Invite others on. Let's have a fireside chat, brother to brother. And I remember it was with the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. One day we went to, uh, went to, uh, I think it was Philly. Thomas Smiley was there. Jesse Jackson was there. Oh man, uh, Julianne Malvo, uh, just some of our greats was there. And in the middle of the table, brother Tavis had a square, a little square, a little child's, like a child's toy, a little, little square piece of wood. And it had on it, all around it, the word love. Meaning that everything that we say here today, and all of us have passion, speak with passion. In regards to who we're talking about and what we're saying, it must be rooted in love. And I want to echo that tonight as we talk. When we open up the lines, let's talk not to be to be venomous or to be vying one with the other. But let's find a common ground for us and then let's continue these type of discussions. Let's broaden them and guide them because we, we, we're spirited people. Brothers don't want to argue more than you. No. No, brother. Because we're not enemies of each other. We have enemies. But it's not each other. So, if you would be so kind, think about this. I asked him already, and I'd like to get your input on it. I had this discussion, and, I, and I'd like to know, you know, get some, some other opinions about this. Are blacks more vulnerable uh, in terms of terrorism than others? If so, why? Who are our black leaders today? Can, can black uh, blacks become p- competitive without a group self-interest. I'm talking about a community now. Can we do that? Is a community necessary? What is a community? Will we control all the systems? Educational. The judicial. We have communities. And we see what happened to them. What happened to uh, Durham, North Carolina? What happened to some of the uh, great ones that we know about? We Caucasians just came in and blew up the entire city. I mean, these are, whether we like it or not, these are discussions that we're going to have to have. Otherwise, we sentence our children and our women, our grandchildren and others to death. Because we didn't prepare the stage. We didn't prepare the mind. We didn't have these real discussions. I know it's rough. 
But until and unless we have these real discussions one with another, we sentence ourselves and our families to death. I don't want to do that personally. People say, well, you know, well, you know, God, well, God given us sense enough to have this discussion and to look in the mirror at myself and you can look at yourself. Invite others in. Tell them to call in now. Let's have this discussion. 215-490-9832. Any caller want to make any comment at this time, just unmute yourself. We'll unmute. And if you want to come, just chime right in. Anything I've said, and I hope I haven't offended anyone. I simply want to point out some things that I think, uh, based on my visit to the inauguration, uh, and, and I'll tell you, I'll come, go ahead, brother, I'm sorry. Okay. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? Brother Timothy, can you hear me, sir? I can. Thank you, brother Timothy. How are you? I'm good, sir. I'm from out of Philadelphia. From out of Moss number 12, top of the clock. Moss Jeremiah Shabbos. Uh, Jeremiah Shabbos was, uh, Jeremiah Shabbos was the chief minister in the 60s, early 70s. And then, of course, you know, um, whilst the Muhammad came to power, the nation fell. Louis Farrakhan is doing his best to rebuild it. And, sir, I'm 59 years old. And at 59 years old, I mean, I'm not that old, but I'm not that young, but I have never seen anything like this in my life. It comes to leadership. And one thing that the Trump administration did for us as black people, if you realize it, they pulled the wool and cover over America. I knew America had its problems, but I didn't know it was just bad. I swear to God, they never knew. But I see people like... Um, Lil Wayne and Jim Brown and Ice Cube and these people with these thoughts and these traitorous ideas. And I, I say to people, maybe you might not be a nationalist. Maybe you might not be a socialist. Maybe you might not be a Muslim or Christian. But I said to myself, do black people at least know themselves? Listen, maybe you don't want to travel to Africa. You know what I'm saying? And maybe, maybe, you might not want to have an independent thought. But do you know yourself as a person? And and what are the businesses like in your community? What are the schools like in your community? Okay? And how are you with your relationships with black people? Because I'm going to tell you right now, black people don't like each other. That's one thing. The other thing, what side are you on? And then what are we doing to get out of this? I mean, this stuff is ridiculous what's going on. With a pandemic, we're not united. We don't have an economic base. Our leadership is is weak. What are your objectives? Where's your think tank? We're scattered. We're being used. Where's our, you know, or what directions are we going? What's your main objectives? It's ridiculous. Yes. All you do, all you do, is go to the plantation and come to your house. If you even realize we're still on the plantation, if you still realize they're mentally slaves. So, dear, dear brother, I agree with you. I agree with you. Let me ask you a question. Now that we've carried the analysis, 
give me some of your thoughts about solutions to some of these problems. Well, I think that some some of the, the same questions, some of the same, if I may, uh, dear brother, uh, yes, some of the same uh, conditions that you point out, which are absolutely true, and I thank you. I'd like yes, to also uh, hear what your thoughts are about how we can get out of this situation and begin that well, process. Well, well, I think the process first is for education. What um, type of education? Is there a certain type of education? Right. And when I, when I say that there's a community education, there's a education in your home. When I say community, when I say community education now, because you said something that was important. You could be a five percenter. You could be a Muslim. You could be a Christian. You could be a black Jew, whatever it is. The education that we need, the knowledge of ourselves to know that we have to be together. That's one thing. Because when white people look at you, they'll look at you and say, well, he's from North Carolina, he's from Philadelphia, you know, uh, um, um, he's from uh, uh, the Midwest. They look at you as being black. See, see, you see. So so my thing is, is that somehow, some way, we have to learn to do things together to get out of the situation. Now, I can't make the ne- next person like one another. But after, we have to understand that we do have, have a common goal. Education is the key and knowledge is power. We also have to, guess what we have to also have to have? We always go through the situation with, with knowing, one of knowing ourselves and our culture. We need an economic revolution with this thing too. Can't do nothing without no money. You need institutions with, those, with that money. And self-defense. Because you know what? People don't mind throwing down in the street. And neither do I. But you gotta get out here and defend yourself. This nonviolent stuff, no, no. We at a different, we on a different level now. Somebody hit you, you, you gotta throw down. So, and we so, gotta be so, together in institutions. Huh? So you believe, so are we talking now just simply about being able to defend ourselves as a black nation? Defending ourselves as a black nation mentally and physically, whatever it takes. Both. Both. Great. Both. Great. And I'm serious about that because I practice self defense. And you know what? Most of the fights I've ever been with have been against black people. Most of the fights I've been with white people have been psychological, really. You know what I'm saying? But we got all kinds of self-defense, all kinds of mechanisms of economics, all kinds of global connection. And and we got to be careful. We got to be careful because we have traitors amongst ourselves. We also got to look at it. We got to realize we at war. We at war. Yes, yes. Well, dear brother, the, the greatest war in my opinion, is the war of the mind. That's right. The intern- the, the, as the Muslims would say, as we were taught, the internal struggle, the, the Islamic jihad, it's not some That's external, right. it's the internal right. war of oneself against the impediments. So if you're a dopehead, if you're doing drugs, whatever the case may be, there's right. no greater yeah. war trying to resolve with yourself and get off those those drugs. So I agree with you. I agree with you. you know, who, who would you say are some of our leaders today? Do we have any? Well, right now, I put Louis Farrakhan up there. 
He's doing the best he can with what we have. What we have, and I'm, I'm always on the phone. I'm always talking about the nation. I'm a nationalist. Remember, Moss number 12. I'm a Pan-Africanist. Whatever it takes for me to be, I could be a socialist when it comes to us. Um, he's one, but listen, he's getting older. And what do I see now? Um, as we need leadership. We need leadership. How about that? Leadership. We need to be amongst each other. In it, whatever it takes, as black people. About as black people. It's a difference now. So we, we all, would you agree that we all need to take on, absent of this great messianic, this, this profound uh, Martin Luther King type, uh, certainly Minister Farrakhan is, uh, plays that role and God has anointed and appointed him in this hour to do the work that he is doing and has done. Right. Um, the, is it time now that we all take our rightful place in whatever discipline or whatever area? Uh, should we even be looking for another? Uh, right. Let's answer that when we come back. We're going to, uh, Open up the lines to some others, but please don't go anywhere, brother. We're going to have the lines the lines opened up, um, and we're going to but let's unpack that. Let's talk about us. Is there is there a need for leadership today, or are we all leaders? Do we all have a responsibility to take care of our women, our children, to enter interna- international trade and commerce, to start business, what, whatever endeavors uh, are in necessary? for human life and development. You know, right. Do we all have a place now um, in this new age, 2021 and beyond? So stand by. We'll go to a quick station break, and we'll come right back and pick this up. I'm right here. Thank you very much. And we'll have everyone open up the lines when we come back. With so much on your mind right now, the safety of your family and business should not be one of them. Safe and Secure Worldwide Protection Group's goal is to keep you and the things you love safe. From patrolling your small business and neighborhood to guarding large construction sites and shopping centers, we are here to protect you. That's why we were selected as security for the last three presidential elections. Safe and Secure Worldwide Protection Group. We worry about your security so you don't have to. Here's your time for an awakening media lineup. Monday. 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., African Perspectives, with host Brother Oshi, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., same time, same place. Continued Monday lineup, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., Acres of Diamonds, with host Brother Jihad Ahmed, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m., Black Therapy Central, host Dr. Mawia Kambong, and Sister Nataki Kambam, 9 p.m. till 10 p.m., Conversation Reparations, first and third Mondays. On Tuesday, 8 p.m. till 10 p.m., Black Reality Think Tank with host Dr. William Rogers. On Thursday, 7 p.m. till 9 p.m., Melanin Live with host Lance Jones or host Oniswa Ayan. Fridays, 8 p.m. till 10 p.m., Time for an Awakening, <coughs> creator of Time for an Awakening and host, Brother Elliot, co-hosted by Brother Richard. 
Saturdays, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., Black Sister Talk with host Wanda Chambers, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., The Elders of Sankofa, and Sunday, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., Time for the Awakening, host Brother Elvis, co-host Brother Richard. Check us out, get informed. You are listening to Melanin Live with host Chief Lance Jones. Melanin Live radio broadcast is an affiliate of Black Reality Think Tank, which operates on the timeforawakening.com video platform. Reach out to them at melaninlive at yahoo.com. All of our programs are archived. Just go to www.timeforawakening.com, access the search portal, type in the name of the program you desire to review. And we're back. Uh, I want to thank uh, our dear brother. So um, we're gonna we're gonna pick right up our last discussion, dear brother. And go ahead with your comment, please, if you would. Are you back to me, Brother Timothy? Yes, sir, Brother Timothy. Yes, sir. Um, um, sir, I guess going forward, um, I guess the importance of the nation was communication, modern technology down to the modern time. We do have the Internet today. Um, we have uh, communication that's out of this world. But are we connected? Um, brother, you know, I don't even know that we knew that we at war <laughs> uh, and what our, what our goal should be, how we should be getting out of it. You know, but I'm going to tell you something, brother. I was on the phone call, um, I think it was last night, Dr. Yeah. Roger, um, and, um, Dr. Bruce Bridges and Sister yeah. Denise were that yes. that whole crew, and um, we were talking about um, um, uh, the printing press, the importance mm-hmm. of the press. Um, I have the lessons, the hundred twenty degrees, all as much as I have. Message to the black man: Our savior has arrived of America. Right. Brother, I used to soldier with brother Two X, uh, brother Eric Two X. Yeah. He had the newspapers. And he has trunks full of newspapers. I haven't seen him in a while. I got a call him. And I was I was telling him the, the, the importance of the press. And I have copies of old newspapers here. What I don't have, he has and vice versa. And they had one with the globe of a brother on the side of the east and the other side of the west. And they were holding each other's hands. And they had the snake, that popular snake that was going on through the, uh, through the different countries in America, you know, yeah. all over in, in the East. And they had the, the, the uh, um, cartoon with integration, a black man walking down the street with a white woman. They had all this, you know, and, you know, when the messenger got the printing press in Chicago, they had to redo the building, right? And when they redo right. the building right. and, the printing, and the printing press, um, with the with the jet, with the farmland, all that we had, 
you know, at one time we had schools in every every state. It was called the University of Islam. Right. Yes. The University. Listen, straight up. Let me tell you something. Listen to me. Now, I think you know that we had the best fish program in America. Yes, coming directly right. from overseas. That's right. The blue seas was a Peru. H and D, hunted and gu- head and gutted. The best program there was. And you know what? We had steak and takes. That came from out of New York. Yeah. Those steak and takes. And brothers had them independently. Okay? You had your own. In Newark. I remember store. some of them in Newark. In Newark, yes, East did. Moss 25. Listen to me. Moss 25. Uh, I did. That's right. That's right. I had cousins from out of the Moss 25. Listen to me. You had your bakeries, you had Muslim bakeries, you had stores, you had restaurants, you know. New York was like like heaven. You know, uh-huh. and, yeah. Mars twenty five too, that was a Muslim town. Philadelphia. You had certain parts of Atlanta. You had certain places that a stronghold. Right. A stronghold. So I mean, let, let's talk about this because leadership has a certain amount of responsibility. And you want to have it where your leadership has never busted up. Unfortunately, when the Honorable Azahana left us, different people were able to do different things when it came to leadership. Now, what, they, what their intent was and what they were thinking about as far as being sincere about nationhood and brotherhood and sisterhood went in different directions. Let's just be for real about that. So, 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 as the nation fell, as the nation fell, Okay, and trying to redo it, it, it was never like it was. And rebuilding is the hardest thing that ever, ever could happen. Because, because I'm gonna tell you this, brother. Because the message taught us one thing, and somebody came up and said what he was saying was not true. Dismantled that whole thing. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I was talking to Doctor Rogers. I said, "You turn around, tell him one thing about." conversation about we were talking about importance of keeping things in Philadelphia John Coltrane has a house that's sitting on the parkway somebody got it nobody's doing nothing with it you know Joe Frazier's dead now his old gym is a furniture store who got it who's doing anything with it so, so let me ask oh, you so is there let me ask that let, let's answer that let's unpack that Bill. so yes. now the question about leadership. Right. Who are our black leaders today or is it needed? So no, that that, I'm talking about that. I'm talking about that. Certainly we all need to own up to our own ability to lead and whatever discipline, right. whatever mindset, whatever spirit that you have and where we located. Right. But in terms of leaders, where today is that one? Who has that uh, the, the lion's paw, if you will? Who can call the masses? And we learn other than the honorable I, minister Lewis Fry. Is I there another? I can't speak for that. I know we have to have leaders amongst leaders in different states and cities. But I'm going to tell you one thing that I don't like. I don't like the way we sell our stuff. Yeah. You know. You know what I'm saying? I, I, the way, you we, know, pa- I had the way we package. Let's elaborate the, on that. Right. Yeah, let me explain something to you. If your father was a man like Martin Luther King, you don't sell a house. 
his house. That ain't none of my business, really. But <laughs> yeah. let me tell you something, man. You give houses, you give it to the next generation or someone yeah. who's in, in, in the family. You don't do that. When it comes now to they're writing, walking through it. They're walking yeah, through right. it as terrorists now, as a visitors now, tourists. Right, right, exactly. Or when it comes to writings. You know what I'm saying? Or, or, or important information and stuff. Just don't give stuff like that away. What do you, what do you, hey, let me tell you something. And the money you get for it, I bet you ain't got no, no money now. If you sold it 10 years, I bet you ain't got that money no more. So, so, so let's, let me ask. Harris, and we have uh, other people. Feel free to jump in and, and give us your, your opinion, your thoughts. This is the open line hour. Uh, somebody asked this question. So has social integration failed us in America? That is the ability to be included. For example, we know the power of your vote. We don't know because we don't ask for anything for it. Right. Vote when, when you vote, you should be asking whoever that person is seeking your vote to give you, right. this is what we want. We want this school, we want this territory, that vacant land, we want whatever the, the deal is. But right. so the, the, our current modus operandi, our, 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 our current way of operating is it developmental positive for us or should we make some changes have we as black people in America are we a social uh, economic underclass do we make some do we need to make some changes anyone good evening good evening brother uh, this is Theodore from from Montgomery good evening brother Theodore thank you for being with us Peace and blessings. Um, you know, I would have thought that we would have been, especially in this day and age and in this time, um, more creative with who we are as a people. Um, you know, I would have thought that there would have been agencies um, that would have been developed now that we have the, um, the PhDs and the, the MDs and the EDDs uh, in such a way that an agency would be developed that would be able to critique from within. And so um, it's, it's just, I guess, we can't really look at integration too much or segregation too much is what is it that we can do for ourselves? And I really, I really think it really begs the question um, to be answered is the question who are you? Who am I and who are we together? So those three basic questions, I kind of wonder, have we really come to answer who am I, who are you, and who are we together? So um, these are the kinds and types of little things that we'll kind of just skip over and skip over and skip over until such time we come to a definitive answer, something so much so that no one, if anyone should call us outside of what we've defined for ourselves, then they're calling us out of our name, so to speak, as someone wow. had told me. So let me maybe capitalize that, but that's an excellent point. Thank you for that. So it sounds to me like you're saying, if I may, um, we're all black leaders at this point. We all have to recognize the leadership within ourselves and own up to it and do whatever part it is that's on our heart. Is that, am I summarizing that? 
That's Correct. the basic idea because we should not have to really lean on finding that one. I think that that one person, be it male or female, will eventually surface himself or herself from within the ranks outward. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so it's not trying to let's all go on to the side of uh, Michael Eric Dyson, right? Because he's a, a, a very educated, literate, uh, wayward words kind of guy. No, it, it's someone who's going to 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 really rise up from within. And and so yeah, so basically it's sort of like that of what you've summarized until that point where we will eventually have that one or two or male or female to uh, surface from amongst us. It's, 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 uh, thank you for that, brother. Let me, let me add this. The, uh, you mentioned the doctorates and, and I talked about that earlier, how we matriculate in the institutions of higher learning and we get the right. doctorate to masters and everything else. But at the same time, it's hard to escape when you're trying to escape the, the, the racism that has been poured in you, when you're trying to escape that, yet it has been poured in you and it is the basis by what you think that you operate under the system, yet okay. you want to... And there's, there's this constant tug and uh, uh, pull and tug on oneself, in your own mind and spirit, trying to get to black. I'm a black man and black woman having all these challenges in this country with these folks, my my people, white folks, others, this and that. I'm educated. I'm hitting the, the ceiling. Uh, and so there's something instinctive that has us to, in order to escape the oppression, start acting like the oppressor. That is, if I talk like them, I'm hanging with them, I dress like uh-huh. them, and maybe they'll accept me more than the next guy. Uh so how does that square with what we're talking about relative to a knowledge of self and being able to take care of ourselves as a black community? And yet that internal struggle with fighting with myself being, you know, having been taught uh, the ways of the dominant wow. culture. Wow. That's, that's, that's uh, very thought-provoking. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Um, uh, Some said prayer, some to you know, we, we need to get uh, Brother Claude Anderson's book, we need to get uh, Elijah Muhammad's book, we need, you know, uh, these okay. are some real, these are some real questions we need to answer, we need to look in the mirror, just have a real conversation with, with ourselves, and then begin to have these conversations in the larger community, among our okay. people, where do we go from here? Well, you know, all right, let, let me ask this then, because uh, it's it really starts with a lot of questions and a lot of answers to those questions to the yes, uh, best yes. of our abilities. You know, maybe there's a disadvantage in us describing ourselves as black. Um, I'm kind of wondering, are we kind of, um, as long as we continue this, this definition or trying to define what black is, we're not doing any more than what say white people are doing when they define what white is, right? We're just on the opposite end of the spectrum. And so, um, you know, that Gaussian curve and look at that line that separates the two when you fold it in half, 
all you're doing is getting one half of the other on the other side. And so um, is there a way to, to really kind of look at us in a different kind and type of light? Um, you know, I, I kind of, I asked the question with regards to say, because there was a time that should we start to, should we stop continuing looking at institutions uh, called HBCUs, the historically black college and university, right? Um, and, and take the black out. Uh, other things that I remember talking with friends and, and associates here in Montgomery about, but Maybe we don't we don't really know what to define black as. What is black now? Um, is, is there a political um, connotation that goes behind that when we start saying black versus white? Right? Um, wow, this is, we'll probably be all day even asking questions of the questions. Right? <laughs> the, more, the, the more the more we answer, the more questions come up. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let me, what would benefit? What would benefit? What would, how would we benefit by removing the one thing that defines us that does not have a religious connotation, economic connotation that we're poor, that we're this, that, that we're, you know, I'm a Christian. So the one thing that defines us as a group, uh -huh. the Jews can say Jews. We're all over the place. We're agnostic, Christian, Muslims, you know, believe in that tree over there, you name it, right? Huh? So huh? how, other than color, can you give us, can you share your thoughts if you have them about an alternative that would work, that would, uh, and why not black? Uh, I, uh, I really can't right now at this point because of the fact that I put myself within the gray area where I'm asking questions of questions. I haven't gotten no, no, out of it. that realm. And, and and it's gotta be something something that I could ask that would get me outside that realm so I can now look at it from a different angle. But you know, yes. I'm kinda bouncing back and forth so much, so I admit I admit <laughs> that um I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it could be. And you know, suffice it to say, if I made their better, that uh, these people who have been um, the enemies of, of our fathers, uh -huh. and I say, and I use that term because at every turn uh, they have been adversaries. Uh, we've been fighting for a long time. And just to survive, we haven't initiated any fight. We've uh -huh. been fighting to survive. And so, um, which begs the question now, so we're clear that there needs to be a new definition. At least we need to explore the fact that there needs to be, we need to define ourselves differently. Even if the world doesn't accept it, we need to be talking about how we want to define ourselves. Because the, the current definition was, in fact, handed to us. I'm sorry. Go ahead, dear brother. I didn't want to. No, no. Go ahead, because I'm thinking we've just passed seven very valuable days from 20, December 26th to the, the January 1st, that area being Kwanzaa, and that one day being Kuji Chakulia, the ability yes. to determine for self-determination. How do we define that, right? 
Um, I mean, it sounds good, you know, especially when you, you, you're saying it and especially when you're trying to spell it. But, but what does that mean? Is it just a good feeling um, that kind of lingers just for a little while and then it goes away when the phone, all the phones hang up or, or what? Um, so, we, true, what you had mentioned, the fact that we really have to look at ourselves in the mirror. We really, really do. Not, not figuratively, literally, the whole kit caboodle. To, to see who we are. Who is that person that looking, that's looking back at me? Equally as important, brother, who do we want to be? Who are you? Who, who uh, are you? That, uh, was a, that was a self-reflection, and anyone can jump in on the conversation. Uh, and okay. we will call in at 215-490-9832 at this time. The lines are open, but, you know, Years ago, I had to do that. Uh, I was a young man. I was telling him earlier that I had a plaid jacket and, I, you know, I started even smoking cigarettes and the big, you know, the big old old man cigars and, and pipes. <laughs> yeah. So, because, you know, there's, and I said this earlier, when, you, when you're trying to escape depression, you tend to take on the attitude and the disposition of the oppressor. You want to talk like them. You want to walk with them. You want to accepted by them in hopes of escaping the oppression. Uh, and if that's how I'm going to get this corporate job, then I'm going to wear this plaid jacket, I'm going to do this and that, not realizing, as our dear brother told us, you're black, you're black, you'll never be white. So you can forget about that. Be who you are. And mm-hmm. so we have some hurdles, because as we go into 2021 and beyond, we have some serious questions we got to ask about us as a group. No one of us, certainly you may get that corporate job or go into the Congress where I was yesterday and uh, I get it. Some go. But how about the masses of us? Do we just stay languishing uh, in the inner cities and then and in down south in Mississippi and poor raggedy out of doors? What are we going to do as a collective and particularly the men? We have to ask this, answer this question. Our oh, women, as brother said, are waiting to exit. Yes, but look, so if we're going to continue to let them just take our women off the street and our children. If the proud boys decide to ride through the neighborhood and start just fighting and shooting, what are we going to do as the men? The women, listen, they fighting, brother. They fighting. They're on the front line. They're ready to punch. It was a woman that punched Bill Collin in the face. Uh-huh. Huh? So I'm saying I'm putting it on us as men. I'm putting it on myself. I'm looking in the mirror too. What am I? What are we doing? Where are we going, black man? How are we leading the family and our communities? Do we have a community? Communities where you control everything: the education, the judicial system. Hell, there's a problem. We go see the mayor. You know, in our community, we control it. We got away from that because they bought the land from us and that kind of thing. So. I'm just asking a lot of lot of these questions, man, because there's a lot of questions to ask, as you said, so we can get some some answers to some of these questions and move forward. Anyone else want to jump in? Uh yes, sir, brother Timothy, uh, Philadelphia. Yes, sir. I'm say, yes, sir. I'm going to say this to you, sir, that um, I could tell you how I started off with obtaining my divinity and obtaining my knowledge of self, obtaining who I am. And who I am today, 
And my grandparents were from the segregated South in Georgia, and my great grandparents, and they came from Wrightsville, Georgia. My my great uncles came from Mobile, Alabama, and they also came from Jacksonville, Florida, and they came in that migration in the mid twenties, thirties, and they were that group of black people that came up here in the thirties were morally correct people. Um, they weren't integrated to the point where they were drugs, alcohol, killing one another. They were just trying to keep themselves together as a race. They had their own businesses. They had their own businesses. You couldn't treat my grandfather and grandmother and great-grandfather out of a dollar. They didn't even go to high school. And you weren't going to take nothing from them either. You know what I mean? I I, I had a, a great aunt. She used to say her pistol never. She said her pistol never failed to bark and bite. <laughs> For real, she shoots you, man. And I had another. I had another uncle, and he said, "Ain't gonna go." But I don't know how people feel today about voting. I'm, I think it's important. I had an uncle. You wasn't gonna tell him wasn't gonna vote neither. But I'm saying it is that those people who came from the segregated, they had that mother with me. They made sure we went to school. On time, your clothes were clean. You came home, you did your homework. They taught us to let nobody take nothing off of you. Do what you got to do and get yourself together. And from there, I graduated from high school with Lincoln University. It's one of the best things I did. See, the HBCU of Philadelphia was important because they because because you 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 had you had they were schools that they weren't that far away. The people who taught there look like you, okay, they graduated from the schools that you went to from high schools, and they wanted you to make I hear it. And, 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 and it. What are we saying? And I'm going to say this to you. My first 40 years, that was done in my youth, done when parents were raising children. All kinds of and terminologies like latchkey, latch kids became the norm, vilifying and criminalizing what it took to keep family structure. Hmm. Thank you, brother. Dear brother, and, and let me let me ask you this, brother, because you you mentioned. Uh, um, uh, Zero zero one two. You mentioned right growing up, yes. And so, how how has that affected us today, though? Well, I would um, say this to you, brother. We were more. Um, I'm fifty nine years old, and when I was coming along, bookstores were important in Philadelphia. I don't know if you know how King's bookstores and know thyself. We had yeah. some of the best black bookstores in Philadelphia. You know, and, and not booty. only that, our our areas, our areas are. Our black areas, we had our own businesses, our schools that we graduated for in our area and and their medical centers, okay, recreation centers, all that stuff, all all the activities were ran by black people. We had leadership that older people were there to make sure that you made it. Don't get me wrong. We didn't all get along. There were gang fights and stuff like that, but it was better better than it is now. Because our, our, our um, neighborhoods are gentrified. 
people that own movie theaters, own restaurants, businesses. I can show you pictures of Malcolm X, uh, um, Gus Lacey, Mr. Silks, and business with Malcolm X and Jeremiah Sebastian. We're in and out of those, we're in and out of those places, like they were just mm-hmm. people in the neighborhood. They were just regular people, regular people in the neighborhood, and we look at them as heroes now. They were just looking yeah. out for their community. Right, right. Look. Which is what we're talking about that we all have to do at this point, because right. the ultimate question becomes: Where do we go from where we are today? Right. And, it, and to yeah. summarize, now, if, I, if I may, and then we I can continue. Say this, that, that, Give me one second there, brother. Give me one second. And so what we want to really do is establish. We've identified several things that we know that we possibly need to change. We've talked about those things. Where do we go now from 2021 forward? Where do we go from where we are? There was some discussion about the use of the term black, identifying ourselves as black. Is that a stigma? Is that that hurt? Is it not hurt? Um, black leaders that we now have to become the leaders in our community. Each one of us have a responsibility. That's what I'm deducing from what we're talking about, what we, what, what has been said. And so, um, in terms of where we are today, where we are today, you mentioned you, we voted. What did we get for our vote this year? We didn't ask for anything. We didn't ask for anything. We just right. and for years, Malcolm said it years ago. We, we we just blindly give away our vote. We don't ask for land. We don't ask for anything. Right. That's something we need to stop doing. Should we change that? Exactly right. Uh, it's exactly right. What is the black agenda? What's one of the black agenda? I'm gonna say this to you, brother. So I went from a high school that was predominantly black. From that high school, I went to Lincoln University. Now, that was one of the best things to happen to me. Because in, 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 in Philadelphia, you have Cheney University, which is not that far from Lincoln, and Dell State, and you have Morgan, you have, we call it the Triangle. And brother, whether white people realize it or not, they thought that after shadow slavery, having having a school in Tuskegee, Alabama, or having one in Hampton or in North Carolina, or they put somebody out in the suburbs, they ain't going to be doing too much. Look what those schools produce. Look what Booker T. Washington's machine produced. Lincoln University, Cheney University, and Delaware State, Howard University. See, they never thought that. But here's the other thing. What do we do with those HBCUs? What's the next step? Now you have a a woman now. She's now the vice president of the United States of America. She came from out of Howard. And she talks about Howard. And you want her to talk about Howard. But what about the ones that came out of North Carolina Central? In Florida A and M, and 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 uh, and all uh, you know, and uh, Wilberforce, and you have uh, Charles R. Drew in California HBCU. So many people have came out of schools that made America it, it make America what it is today. We got to keep that. See, this, this is where education in your home is. See, education starts in your home first. Getting your mind together. Like Dr. Bruce Brisbane yeah. says, getting your mind together. Okay. Like the messenger said, the battle's in the sky. Brother, brother moderator. Yes, go ahead, Deborah. What is, I, I think I, I would, I'm asking you, sir, first, would you help me how uh, 
learn how to fight. Would you help me learn how to fight? And I think the start of this is, could you tell me what your name is? Brother Lance, Lance Jones. And Brother the show is, show is Melanin Live. Uh, I, Brother Lance, okay. Um, and I, I hear Brother Tim, I'm on. Is there someone else on? And the, there's yes, a reason sir. why I'm asking. There's several on, yes. There's several on, okay. The reason why I'm asking is because of the fact that in order for us to fight, we have to know each other. And so um, I, I, now that I voice Brother Lance, now that I've heard Brother Tim's uh, voice and myself and, and those who also are, who want to participate, the question that I ask is, where, when you ask where do we go from here, one, I think we need to learn how to fight. Now, what do I mean by that? Not necessarily knuckling up, right? I mean, those of us, eh, we may not be able to kind of keep up with uh, with the kind of type of of, uh, of things that's going on with martial arts and capoeira, et cetera. But are there ways that we need to learn how to develop a verbal judo, okay? Should we start to learn the Constitution of the United States? Should we start to learn th- voting is fighting, Okay. Um, and so there are other aspects of this thing we call fighting that I think we really need to learn how to do, how to call each other's names, especially when we need each other, you understand, and not just refer to a number. And so um, that's one way of substantiating our positions. Um, so there are techniques. I've never been in the military, so I, I uh, don't want to that, but... Um, if we learned how to fight, process of going where we are right now. Thank you, dear brother. You're right. The uh, the reality is, we'd have to move in lockstep. So that that suggests that we have to have a number, a series of meetings town hall meetings among ourselves about some of these issues. Um, it is said that in 21 years, the Caucasian race will be the minority in America. And so when we think about this coronavirus, we think about uh, all of the diseases that uh, we tested on our people viruses given to our people, bad food to our people. You know, we are at war. And the only ones that don't know it is us. So I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, and there's going to have to be some learning real quick. I heard Dr. Claude Anderson saying this very thing. I heard, uh, you know, we're, we're at combat, as one brother is telling me now on the screen. Uh, you know, Talking about combat, we get with paper evaluation and both self and the foe. Indeed. And he just mentioned that. The caller just mentioned knowing uh, the history of ourselves and the other and our enemy. That's just, and I, and I say enemy, I'm talking about those who have not had our uh, best interest at heart over the generations. We came here. And look, we came here as slaves. Our foreparents. No nation built on the mistreatment and enslavement of a people 
can stand for long. At some point, as a former president, I think someone was saying about Lincoln, or some Lincoln said, I'm uh, trying to remember, but it was, and, and I'm paraphrasing, some of you will remember, uh, he trembled when he thought on the fact that God was a just God and that his anger couldn't be kim- kindled forever, knowing what he had done to an entire people who now turned inside out against themselves. Hmm? The richest people, you spend $1.4 trillion a year and got no land. You have God has blessed you with an entire continent, 12 million square mile, five regions. All the diamond, urea, you, you produce 40 to 60 to 80% of the world's minerals, oil, diamond, manganese, coltan for the cell phones. Yet you're the poorest. Hmm? Think about this. With all of your degrees, your master's degree, your bachelor's degree, and your doctorate degree. Your degreed Negro taught by your enemy. Therefore, you can't parlay what you know into reality for our people. Because the, the ultimate goal is to get away from each other and go assimilate with others. While others are doing the exact uh, opposite. Think about China for a moment. 60 years ago, China had sweatshops, and we made fun of them. They had all the young folks and lined up on sewing machines and this and that. Now look at them. They're the world's leader. Why can't we do that? Africa has 40 to 60% youth on the continent. Why can't we take a part? Instead of selling all the continent to to everybody and giving it away, (laughs) giving it away, why don't we take our children, train them in this area, sewing, mechanics, STEM, whatever it is, and line them up in a, in a factory and begin to pr- produce the things that we need? This is not just, this, this can't be just be a dream, brothers and sisters. This must happen if we're to survive. It must happen. Huh? You know, individualism, we've been trained about this individualism. I get it. Teaching that in the schools, and you go and you get all this degree stuff. I get. I went to school a little bit, but the reality is, if you don't have love of self and knowledge of self, and a true desire to want to see yourself and your people free and independent, self-sufficient, you might as well. Hell, we might, particularly us as men, if we don't take the charge on this, then we. What good are we here for our wives and children and grandchildren? What good are you? What good am I? Don't want all of us to look at it. It ain't about the individualism now. It can't be. It ain't about Brother Lance. It ain't about you. And it's about us as a collective. When my son be and my grandson be able to link up with your brother, your grandson, and say, well, you know, and then they find out that we were both on a call 20 years ago. Hmm. He, you heard something about, you know, that's how this thing works. So this time the discussion, we really want to expand it, brothers. Let's have it once a month. Let's bring the people on. Let's knock the ratings off the book with our love and unity and talking about buying and spending with each other. That's the only way out. The Caucasian is not going to save you. I know if you're a Christian, I listen. I ain't beating you up. I love you, my brother, my sister. 
So if you today thinking that a white man is your God, that's part of the attack. That was the assault on the deity. I'm just sharing this with us. Uh Uh Because it's part of the problem. It's a big one. And we divide ourselves based on your religion. Or you're a Muslim, you're 5% and you this. No, he's your brother. He's your Uh sister. Uh Hmm? Who needs water, food, and shelter just like you do. There's no reason, brother. This is the greatest game, Malcolm said. The great, the biggest game. You, oh my God! You throw all of your wealth away, gave it away. You tell me why you got a continent with all those riches, most beautiful landscape. Sister, I was with Eric Cole, the former ambassador to the African Union, in Washington D.C. at the uh, at the uh, at the uh, AAU, the the, the, uh, the universities. So the African African universities thing, I forget the name of it. But nonetheless, he said there's beautiful landscape there. The oceans, the, 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 the fall, the waterfalls. Vast land, vast. Two million last year of our people went to, to Ghana, thanks to President Adu. He welcomed us. I didn't go. I'll go this year. But the world is so large there, brother. And others know our possibilities. That's why they try to stop us from uniting. Our un- our unity is the key to creating a new reality in our lives. We just can't see it. It's too hard to break away from that damn doctorate degree and what they told you to do. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm listen. I'm not making education is important. I'm not making mock real education. Yes, sir. But once these people fought, once you've been filled up with all of their worldview and their way of doing things, it's difficult for you to, to square now another reality as being more developmental and positive for yourself. It's hard to break away from that. But you must. And they know that. That's why they can bond you with everything. I, you know, as I sit back sometime and I watch the television, as I, I, I don't do that much, but I'll watch the news. Nonetheless, if somebody's watching something that, and they always show the white boys the hero and just overcoming great odds. And yet the story is always, you know, they're fighting and there's murder. When you feed a culture that foolishness, don't be surprised that they're doing it in the streets. They're killing and robbing. That's what you show all day long sitting there watching and eating popcorn. So we can't do that in the new world. We're talking about the new world order, our world. That can't be the norm. Huh? Wow. To be fighting on that television, to be uplifting, motivating, inspiring. Our children should be learning love, love for black, the history of ourselves. These are the conversations that we must continue to have if we're going to create a new reality for ourselves in 2021. Forward. It must. It, it's not an option, brothers. Yeah. Not an option. Otherwise, we take the blame for the death of our women and children. Because you fail yeah. to stand up. We fail to stand up collectively, despite your religion, your ideology, ideology. Go ahead, dear I'm sorry. Go ahead. Floor is open. I got two people with 
But I, 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 I forgot to tell you all I'm a PK. I'm a preacher kid. I think how, I, how do you think you're giving in a conversation, gentlemen? Go right ahead, young man. Uh, okay, young man. I, I, I might be. I'm 67. I, young I man. see you, man. <laughs> I see you, brother. Brother Griff. Go ahead. And I use Negro people get offended, but that's what's on my birth certificate. And I know that is a direct link to my claim as a descendant of enslaved humans. That is my claim to what I'm trying to get with reparations for our people. So let me say this. I grew up here in Yorktown, Virginia, and was fortunate enough that a lot of my people were in business. I have a problem, and I'm not accusing anybody, but I'm saying this in general. Most of the people I know, educated or otherwise, even my own loved ones, romanticized when we were segregated. Let me tell you why I say that. My Uncle Robert had a store. I was fortunate enough to learn how to read by the time I was about four or five years old. I sit in that store when they find out what I could do. My Uncle Robert kept me there and for a long time I was probably a teenager before he finally sat me down and told me why he kept me in the store. I kept thinking I was his favorite. You know, you get the the penny candy and the bologna slab and all of that stuff. The old Coca-Cola machine, ice cold. But let me tell you the things I found out with him. During segregation, when the people came by to bring him his milk or meat or whatever, he didn't have an education but he understood the system of how they marked the meat. And he tell me all the time, boy, they bring me that mess. They don't took out the white stores. Why am I telling you that? Stop romanticizing segregation. Yes, we were forced to engage with each other. Some of us took that forced engagement and used it to build. Others did what I heard the term, because I grew up here on the East Coast, Tidewater, crabs in a barrel. The first time I got slapped in public by my father is listening to a bunch of black men talking about crabs in a barrel. And I said, has anybody ever tried to ask the question how the hell the crabs get in the barrel? Why are you blaming the crabs? That's what I hear. That's what I hear when I hear my people use these things. Let me say this to you. Part of the force meant just what I said. You can't go out there and engage with a white man. You're confined to this area. Therefore, you have to do what you do to survive. Some of us, because of our mentality, worked in the collective. But I also worked in the barbershop because a lot of my people, older farmers, were, quote, illiterate. My peers made fun of those people. Old food, this and that. I wasn't reared that way because I spent a lot of time with older people because I was a runt in the family and could read. I Uh thought they were keeping me around because, like I said, I'm the favorite. But I realized when they found out I could read, they let me read stuff to them so they could find out if somebody had lied to them that had sit in that room, sit in that barbershop, teaching at Hampton Institute, (laughs) Norfolk State, Virginia State, uh, Granger Court, one of the first black neighborhoods here in Hampton that was come out of the reconstruction and all that stuff after fighting years later that the, the, so every city's got one of these every major city i've heard wilmington uh durham all of that so let me say to you when i found out that it made more sense 
to sit and read to them, collect them nickels and dimes. I always had money. My friends didn't. Why? I was giving back to the community. That got ingrained in me from youth. But I'm going to say, and I'm going to try to skip to something else. So, and this is what I'm going to say. When it looked like we were making progress, uh, my sixth grade class was the last one I had at all-black school. When I went to the white school, I tell people to this day, white, black, or otherwise. That was the end of me having teachers other than a few select white folks that had that missionary thing about them where they actually what? Try to find out how your brain works and help you to absorb information. Other than that, every one of my peers, including me, had instructors. Instructors are fine in the Air Force or the military, but that's not what teachers do. There's a distinct difference between the ability to teach and the skill of instructing. And I know you people are smart enough to understand exactly what I'm saying. So this is what I'm saying to you. What got lost when you start talking about family structures and raising our children, we got to understand we're also a part of this American culture. We're on the bottom and we got impacted worse. But during that period, a single breadwinner could sustain a family of four or five people without having to have dual incomes. Once that changed, and we know the other factor that some of y'all had talked about, once that changed, you started a, a clandestine incarceration of black men, which, which was nothing but a continuation of black codes and all of that stuff. You criminalized almost everything they did. Here's what I'm talking about from my era. I watched mothers that were principals of schools, big time, most of the females get hired in the jobs. One of the old country men told me, Negro, how do you think you're going to get a job? That white man is making decisions rather have brown sugar sitting around him than a stick around competing with him. I'm country. These niggas encap- these Negroes encapsulated all of what I hear these professionals talking about in a damn dissertation or some peer-reviewed paper. Country people don't have to condense things down. Either you get it, whether you like it or not, this is the concentrated truth. Now, I'm going to say this to you. Once those females got that employment, what was the other thing that happened? You ain't got, you making 60 cents on the dollar. You think you can do what the white person is doing because you think they living off of income, but you find out they got what? We know today, wealth. So they won't leave and their kids at home by themselves. Their kids had YMCA, this and that, pool, this and that, uh, centers for the children inside the communities. I'm living right here with, with, with white communities that have had these community centers and stuff for four or five decades. As a matter of fact, because of integration, I can tell you specific encounters when some of the white kids that thought they was cool would sneak us into parties and then some bigot that didn't like it would call the police and shut the whole party down because of one of them things up in there fly in the milk. So, so I'm saying this to you. We can't just keep on demonizing our people for not having values when you understand that the structure of a good job, you can pay your way, hard work and individualism, you can do it on your own. All of that was bought not just by white folks, but but us too. I talk to most of my peers now at 67, and most people that that know me know I work with that group, ADOS, and... um, I tried to talk to the people, the leaders are 20 years younger than me. It's like talking to a brick wall when you say, hold on, 
when you're leading a group and I'm having a conversation with you and trying to share some insight or get you to rethink something, and I say this something to you like, don't you think you ought to dial down your language, find a better way to say this, get on messaging? And you know what the response is? I got a right to do anything I want. Hold on. How you become a member of an organization and tell me about your personal rights? I'm not the one confused here. That individualism that they've been raised with, they have no sense of the collective because they bought into the belief I can do it on my own. I'm going to stop there because there's a few other things I like to touch on. I'm telling you, we really got to be able to not just keep talking about the tropes that we've heard, but we got to fill in the blanks on this romanticization of segregation. Because, And I'll put it to this point to put, put it to you this way. I had a father that owned a, I had a fourth grade education. When they got ready to uh, widen Interstate 64 from the Norfolk area down on the beach up to going toward uh, Richmond, the I-64 corridor. And, and I'm around all the military bases, Navy, Army, Langley Air Force Base, Fort Eustis, Fort Monroe. All of that stuff is right here, what used to be Point Comfort. So, mm-hmm. I, and was a history buff, so, you know, you start getting into it. But I'm riding down the road, and I see these people pulling these earth movers out. And my fa- father, I see the, his face change, and he started talking about them MFs. Mm-hmm. Same shit they did. Same shit they did. Uh, just where you were born, boy. Yeah. Oh, funny. Hurt my father to death. I said, well, what do you mean? When they brought this road through here, this road was supposed to go through so-and-so area. But that was rich white folks' land. When they got to raising hell, you know what they did? Your uncle and so-and-so used to own all of that. And he'll tell me from the mile marker all the way through. And I said, what? When you couldn't, when the white folks had money to fight the interstate system, what did they do? Took the path of least resistance. Now, what I end up finding out? Back then, you had to go to the library. I go there and start reading in the library, and you know what you find out? That the Interstate Highway was one of the first major uh, movements to improve this country, transportation and all that stuff, that displaced over 450,000 black businesses, which wiped out over 65% of black wealth just because of the expansion of the Interstate Highway. Now, I heard that, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to try to cut cut it off so y'all get where I'm coming with this. Go ahead. See that? But yes, I'm sir, also a youth, and, and I'm listening to people telling me how dumb these people ain't that been ain't been to school. That's what changed my whole idea about a formal education. You know what? School life is school if you're paying attention and you want to stop <laughs> having blinders on because you gotta ask yourself what old folks think. Boy, you ain't always got an answer. You got to let it roll around your head. Don't cut that computer off just because you can't figure the answer now. What's that mean? The human mind works even when you sleep. You tell yeah. yourself, I don't know, and I don't care, you know, it ain't going to work on it. But if you say, I'd like to know, let me tell you from my personal experience. As soon as I got in the Air Force and enrolled at University of Arizona as an active duty airman so that they could yeah. pay for it and I can get a little extra pay and get an education, I take political science, I get in the class, the people ask you what you want to do, I want to study the interstate highway. White boy told me, what do you want to do that for? I said, I have a personal connection. Uh, you know, that's fine. Okay, Otis, uh, Sergeant Griffin, you can do that. At the end of the semester, when I gave him a report talking about how it destroyed black wealth, 
He gave me an F on it. Now, you know, I'm active duty military. Do you think if I fail, of course, I'm getting ready to pay the Air Force back? I literally had to fight the administration of the University of Arizona. And then a Hispanic professor is the one that came forward and told her, hold on, you can't get mad at him for him telling you this is what happened to my people. Ended up with a B. I took it. I should have got an A. Now, why do I say this to you? When I got in the ADOS movement, I listened and I listened to the people talking. I heard at that time Yvette Cornell and a guy named Irony were the co-hosts. I heard them do something that I disdain for anybody that puts their money on the microphone, talks about their knowledge, claim they want to educate the people, but they do not have the discipline to dig in and get facts instead of speculation. Let me tell you what was said. Oh, I think we got to go all the way back to the 1860s to see what, what, what people did. Now, I'm looking in the chat. I'm the oldest one in here. This is about four five, five years ago. So, I'm, I, yeah, I was 61, 62 years old. I'm 67 now. So, being call myself being a nice guy, I call in and say, hey, I see you got a young audience. I said, if you really want to get these people to understand lineage and the connection to slavery that's supposed to be so long ago, the bulk of your audience is from the black belt. Maryland on down. So guess what? If you tell them, stop trying to listen to me, go do what you haven't done for years. Go to that old, dumb, uneducated aunt, grandmother, sister, community litter, sit down, show them respect, and let them tell you their stories. You'll find out that actually slavery in a form of sharecropping went right on through the 60s and 70s. I know because of Smithfield, Isle of Wight, all through there, we personally had cases where we had to stop people from being sharecroppers. Now, now I was on the tail end of watching the adults that were doing that. So I'm just saying, we got to stop romanticizing, cherry picking, and look at the good and bad, and then figure out how to bring our people back around to, first of all, a collective thought that does not demonize people with opposing views. Yeah, I've got enough respect for every individual. If you're right. bargaining in good faith, man, you can debate all day. But when right. you start the name calling, the demonizing, getting inside of somebody's head without facts, I gotta right. cut you loose. Right. I'm gonna stop there. Matter of fact, I'll say this. Your your That's show powerful. is closer to Dr. Rogers than I've ever seen in a while. And I love Dr. Rogers' show for that reason. He gets the details right, and it's not just a, a, a trope. We got yes, to figure sir. out how to actuate our own people, get them yes, to change, sir. not make them change. Thank you, dear brother. Oh, wow. What a <laughs> great discussion, and we're going to pick this up again next Thursday at the same time, right here on Mel- Melanin Live. Uh, and um, I can't thank you all enough, dear brothers and sisters, for tuning in this evening. Uh, and, uh, you know, you mentioned Dr. Rogers. I'm tempting, uh, I'm attempting to follow him and uh, deliver quality uh, product as he does. And so I appreciate even being mentioned in the same sentence as he. Uh, but I thank all of you for, for being with us tonight. Until next time, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. next Thursday, right here. Oh, my God.
Change again, change it, go along. 